Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello and welcome to Off the Beat and Track podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with actor Lewis Reeves and oh my God, we have such a crack today. This is a, a, a blinding episode. There's something about... Um, and I was talking to Lewis afterwards. Um, I've, I've literally just this second finished recording the, the, the episode, by the way. I'm just recording the intro and outro straight after it. But there's something... I love talking to actors uh, about on, on this podcast because they never really get asked about music in in interviews. It's always about whatever film they're working on, or whatever TV show, or or acting, and and so I've generally found that actors have got such a, a love of music, and and you're going to find out on, on this episode, you know, how important music's been in in Lewis's life, and. Uh, and yeah, and it's really nice. I feel like you get a really sort of nice, fresh take on uh, on music, really, when you speak to speak to an actor, because, like I say, they'd never really get asked about it in in interviews. So yeah, and today's a really good example of it. He's such a lovely chat, and 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 Lewis is such a um, a top fella. You're gonna you're gonna love this one. Um, before we press play on that chat, um, a few thank yous. Um, Big love to, to Scroobius Pip and everybody on the Distraction Pieces Network. What a network that is. I'm so so proud to be part of it. And uh, and there's 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 other stuff coming up on the network soon. So keep it peeled. There's some uh, some great podcasts to be added to the uh, the roster of of Ace podcasts that are already there. So go go explore the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Seventy Six for producing this podcast. He grabs my my lispy chat that I record my end, and then a lot of the time we do these remotely. So he has some some Zoom audio that he he makes sound nice and warm and lush for your ears. So th- big love to to Seventy Six, and you know who gets the most love is you lot um, because you support this podcast and have supported this podcast for for three years now is it three years maybe more like i keep i keep saying 400 episodes each week when i do the intros and uh and i think we have hit 400 i'll get i'll get lost because sometimes some platforms that you get your podcast on actually like list uh the numbers and some don't but i think we're we're, we're probably over 400 now and yeah we've we've we we, we record a lot of these um just to give you a sort of peek behind the curtain, I know I put two episodes out a week, which is which is quite a lot, and and yeah, I generally record sort of maybe four, sometimes five a week. Uh, during lockdown, it was way more than that, and it kind of helped me sort of get ahead of myself a little bit. But yeah, so two episodes a week. But you also 
you get both of them for free um and and i can't thank you enough for supporting the podcast and downloading them and, and telling your pals and sharing them and giving us the little likes on the socials it all it all helps so so big love for that and and if you'd like to support the podcast um i keep it super super cheap it's a dollar a month like 80p a month um and for that you can support my patreon and that patreon means that you can watch all all of these episodes you can you can sit and uh, watch the videos of the chats and uh you obviously then they're ad free uh, on there so you haven't got to to listen to any adverts or anything like that uh you don't even get this bit you don't get the uh the lispy witterings of me um before you just get the interview boom straight in and uh and so that's part of what you get on patreon you get access to hundreds of radio shows that i record um where i just play records and have a little chat about and there's other episodes that have never been released to the the public that you can get over there um playlists all sorts of bits and pieces and and like i say it's going to cost you 20p a week something like that but yeah that dollar a month goes in the pot to help kind of cover the costs of ensuring that you still get your two your two episodes for free um each week so uh yeah you'd be supporting the pod if you can do that right hefty old sales pitch done and dusted everything you need to know oh god i always forget this bit if this is your first time listening welcome you in for a good a good experience for your first one um because this is a, a lovely chat um but go check out um, the back catalogue when you finish listening to my chat with Lewis. If you like hearing actors talking, then who've I had on? Maxine Peake, Joe Hartley, Thomas Turgus, Michael Smiley, Amanda Abington. Oh, God. Like, yeah, there's a big old list of actors um, that you can go and enjoy uh, the chats of for free. Um, Loads of chats with pop stars and rock stars like Motley Crue, Foo Fighters, The Killers. Uh, oh, God. Hundreds of episodes. Go uh, go get stuck in in the archives once you've listened to today's episode. Anyway, Patreon, back catalogue, socials. There's a one-stop shop, and that's the website. Off the Beat and... It's not beaten. Off the Beat and Track Podcast.com. Anyway. Please enjoy Off The Beaten Track Podcast with Lewis Reeves. Right, I've got to take a quick break in this podcast because I've got some super exciting news. Off The Beaten Track Podcast is proud to go into partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. That's right. The Cacao Bar is not a chocolate bar. It's all the best bits of a chocolate bar put into a really exciting new alcoholic range. That's right. Gin, vodka, and a beautiful range of cream liqueurs. So one of the big bonuses of this partnership is obviously I'm super thrilled to have Hotel Chocolat working with us, but they sent me a great big box of this stuff. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. Go and check it out, www.hotelchocolat.com or over on the socials at Hotel Chocolat. But yeah, in the coming months, there's going to be opportunities for you to get involved with competitions with us to win bottles of stuff. There's loads of exciting things coming soon and I can't be more happy to say that this podcast is in partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. All right, let's get back to the podcast. It's Off The Beat & Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whiffin. Okay, we are recording. Lewis, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm a little tired. I've got um, 
I've got two little ones under the age of three. Oh, got four month olds and a two and a half old, and we're doing a house renovation at the moment. Oh yeah, don't take too much on. <laughs> I am, um, and what's really annoying as well is that my wife is handling it really, really well. Right, uh, and I'm not right. So, so I can't be when I'm being stroppy, and she's lovely, and she's making cups of tea for builders, and she's surviving on like three, four hours sleep, and I'm like just a bit mardy. Um, I've I've got to quickly snap myself out of it. <laughs> um, to bar all that, I'm great. Good, I'm great. shining. I'm happy. Lovely, lovely. Where are you today? Uh, so we live in Margate now. Nice. Like, um, yeah. So like every um, you know hipster flat white avocado in East Londoner <laughs> <laughs> over the last 10 years we've all gone it's far too expensive here and uh, it seems like loads of people have moved out to Margate so I'm one to follow the trend how are you finding it because like so many people that I've had on this podcast uh, have, have now sort of relocated down there and I've been down a few times uh, to, to interview people in Margate and, and one of the co-host of my other podcast has, has, has literally recently moved there and it's really weird. It's like for, for me growing up like an hour away from Margate, like the, the, the Dreamland Park, what was it called? Dreamland? Was yeah, it? yeah, Dreamland. Yeah, yeah. Like, that was called Ben Bomb Brothers when I was a kid. And it was like, it was like the holy grail. You know, if you got to go there when you was like 10, that was like, yeah. it was everything. And then I went back there when I was about 20 and it was just borderline derelict and it was like heartbreaking. <laughs> and like, yeah. And now you're seeing like the gorillas playing live there and stuff like that. It looks like amazing, and 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 just like I like to have a little bit of a, a, a an outdoor wild swim. And they've got the little pool thing, haven't they, down in, in Margate, where you can have a little uh, little swim in oh. the sea. Looks lush. Yeah, it, it's it's brilliant. The winters are long, but the summer is wicked. Like summer, like the sea is it's just even though it's the North Sea, it's so clear, crystal clear. It's tropical at times, so we're we're very lucky. But um, we've just about got the right uh, balance now because we've yeah. obviously we've moved away from friends and family. Did that just before the lockdown, twenty twenty. Right. Um, so we were like, "This is going to be amazing." Some like you talk, there's like places like Dreamland and things, like, and the coast is just living by the coast is amazing. We were locked down. Um, we were locked down and locked away from everyone. Um, so that hit us quite hard, but now we've realized to make this place work, um, every weekend as a family, we have to be either going to see friends in London or going to see relatives because then it makes it worthwhile. Yeah. Otherwise we feel a bit lonely and we get the itch, uh, of London again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, whereas now if we get our little social kick at the weekend, yeah. we're far too knackered to do anything else. Yeah. 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 That, that it's fine, you know. So we've we've started to find the right balance now, uh, but yeah, like you say, it's, it's totally rejuvenated this place now to what even like to what it was two and a half years ago. Yeah. Um, how, how did cool. you find lockdown as 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 an artist? Like not, you know, because like like so many people in the creative sort of fields, whether it be music, comedy, acting, whatever, everything stopped. And like yeah. you know, how how did you sort of deal with that? Did you have work throughout lockdown? Did you sort of manage to be one of the lucky ones that, that found bits and pieces? Um, yeah, I think in my industry, uh, it created a bit of a bottleneck situation. So it happened. Everyone was scared beyond belief. 
so quite uh, relieved that it did stop because I was filming Unforgotten season four. Mm-hmm. We were about to do a big funeral scene in a church with like 300 people. Uh, and I remember really freaking out about that and then being really relieved when the producers called and said, look, we've had to stop. It's, it's getting out of hand now. Um, and then there was sort of three months where it was touch and go. Like, what well, I don't know what, what we're going to do. I, I ended up, um, I got, do you know, so Manston Airport around here was used as like the Brexit car park. It's where all the lorry drivers got sent. Right. I got a gig there um, handing out COVID tests, testing all like these Bulgarian and Polish and all these drivers from all over Europe who were furious with us. Yeah. And then sometimes like Dover would get shot and we'd all have to run into this little cabin as sort of everyone would kick off. So for the first three months, it was like really scary. No one knew what was going to happen. Yeah. And then productions found a way of sort of managing everything and we managed to gear back up. And I think, it's sort of been the busiest it's ever been for me because I think so many things are getting made and they're not able to get, say, who they want. And they're like, oh, Lewis Reeves will do. We'll get him in. (laughs) 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 He'll do it, whatever. So so in that respect, it's been, um, it's it's been, it's been quite nice. Now we've sort of found our, our way around it. But yeah, at first it was, uh, it was very scary. Okay. Right. I'm going to start your playlist, mate. Um, for track okay. one, Lewis, I want you to tell me the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro, please. For me, Midnight Train to Georgia, Gladys Knight and the Pips. Oh, it's a beauty, isn't it? It's just a classic. Yeah. And I don't, risk of sounding cliche, they just don't make them like that anymore. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's iconic. Gladys Knight and the Pips, they just take you, it's just such a slow build. It takes you, it's real storytelling in song format. Um, and it's cool. It's really cool. It starts like almost like a knocking. Mm. It sort of like brings you in. Uh, and I always wanted to be a Pip. <laughs> or I just thought they were the coolest things yeah. ever. All matching shoots, like dance routines, slick, harmonies. Um, I'm nothing like a Pip, yeah. nor Gladys Knight, unfortunately. But gr- growing up, like, I grew up on, my mum was, uh, she was big into Northern Soul and Motown and stuff like that. So that's one that I, I really remember. And that I can still, even though I've listened to it about a thousand times, yeah. I can still listen to it now and it's it's pleasant and it's beautiful and you go on a journey or you, and you hear something new, it's so layered. Yeah. And you hear something new every time. Like, I love it. I mean, you've mentioned London and Margate, but the accent doesn't sound like you grew up there. Where where, where was home growing up? Uh, Doncaster, ball with very different place. Um, yeah, I, I lived there till I was about twelve, and then my mum and my stepdad they were in the pub industry, so we used to move around the country constantly. Um, sometimes I lived with nightclubs, so I used to hang out with all the DJs, and sometimes they'd have stuff. Uh, where they had bands on and stuff. So music was always really influential and around us. I was always sort of around yeah. artists. Um, uh, and I can remember my mum talking to us about going up to like Warrington and all the club nights and putting talcum powder on the floor and dancing at Northern Soul. And for me, that was just like the epitome of cool. Oh, it really <laughs> is. Yeah. And there's sort of like a renaissance. There's sort of like, it's sort of coming back around here, actually. Like you see the young, young lads... Uh, 
on lambrettas and like the three-piece coats in this weather as well. Yeah, it's it's mental. It's it's so amazing, and it's it's it makes no sense, Northern Soul as well. When you look at it, and you just think, right, what what is this scene built on? And it's like, well, kind of not Motown, but the songs that weren't hits. Like yeah. we, we're going to do this deep dive and find these like obscure records and yeah. create this phenomenal scene where I think like the, I think the Wigan Casino was like voted the coolest club in the world or something like you know in in the in the tail end of the seventies. Now when you think like how Wigan Casino, <laughs> like just them two words, like you know nothing yeah. against Wigan, but like. Yeah. You know, Studio 54 would have been open then. It's like, yeah. and it's just incredible that this this amazing scene that created this this. I mean, I, I'm I'm no expert on it, but 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 you know, just through being fascinated by that scene and, and realizing that that dance scene come from at the time lads trying to mimic Bruce Lee uh, yeah. and, and the dancing, and, and it just like I would give anything. I've been to quite a few Northern Soul dudes and. I would love to be able to to hold my own on that dance floor. Like, yeah, it's, it's uh, oh, it's it's something to behold. It really is, and and it's just and that music. It's when you hear Northern Soul, it's like you. It's just music that's made to make you want to dance. It's like straight so. away. It's like oh, my foot's going. I got to dance. Got to dance. It's cool. It's like it's one of the things that I'm sort of envious. So I'm 34. Uh, and one thing that I can see going back to sort of like the forties, every decade had a movement, and with that movement you had fashion, and there was like an uh, an evolution in music. And then I was born eighty eight, so I had like Britpop nineties, some really great bands coming through that. And then when you got to sort of the noughties, it's like those same things weren't happening again. It was it, it sort of got. It it had its heyday, that sort of 50, 60 years where you had something brand spanking new every decade. Um, I don't know if that's we, what we did get then was the internet. I don't know if that has stopped Maybe. something, but it's something that I love to talk about. And I talk about it, you know, quite a lot on here that you're, you're so right. That tribalism in music sort of yeah. disappeared. And, you know, I, I've run a, a club for 30 years and, you know, you see different different sorts of movements come through these clubs and, and you know, and, and that is like, it goes beyond the music, as you say, it's the fashion and and you could go, oh, well, someone walks through the club and you, like, the door of the club is like, I can tell that they're into that. Yeah. And, like, and now you can't, like, apart yeah. from metal. Metalers are metalers. They'll always be metalers. Like yeah, they're, they're, yeah. They're, 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 they're never going to change. But everything else is kind of blurred into this kind of top shop window of everybody kind of looks the same and everybody listens to a bit of this and a bit of that. And, and that's not a bad thing that, you know, people are listening to a bit of everything now rather than, well, no, I'm an indie kid or, or no, I'll listen to Garage or whatever. I, I, but yeah. I do think them, them tribes in music – and their movements, like, I think they're really exciting. And, and you know, nothing gives you have me to, more. You have to look for it a lot more now. It's yeah. still out there, and there's still those people, like, yeah. you know, you walk down the high street, and you're like, well, that lad's dressed like a teddy boy or yeah. whatever. And you, but you can still find it, but, yeah, it's not as accessible. It might have something to do because of the internet. Yeah. There's something beautiful about having something tangible, like going to a record shop yeah. and buying 
that one album and then you sit through that one album and you listen to it and it's an experience and you put yourself in the shoes of the artist. Uh, whereas now I could just put it this on shuffle and it would discover new music for me. Like I, I, I listen to music every day, but I, I have no idea who I'm listening to half the time because yeah. it's just so, it's so saturated so much. And in that it actually becomes slightly negative because you stop investing in artists because it's, it's so easy to get. It's good and bad, isn't it? It's, it's brilliant yeah. that you can have everything that you ever want to hear. But do you get to... The, the one thing I think that he's lost is the fact that people now just go and cherry-pick tracks and not listen mm. to an album as a body of work. And, like, yeah. and I think so many albums, them artists spend so long trying to piece that running order together that, you know, that it sounds you know a, like a complete piece of art and yeah. and I think that's lost a little bit but I'm 49 so I'm gonna think that do you know what I mean and I think like you know as you said there are there are probably still the, these movements in music and these purists that that are you know they're probably like 18 listening to this now just go shut up granddad what are you talking about like yeah. there's loads so, of it you, you don't yeah, even know about yeah. it you're 49 <laughs> like, yeah. but uh but yeah all right well look, i'm gonna take you back um for track two uh and ask you please to tell me the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you please i mean this is just embarrassing really it's such a cliche mm-hmm. but uh robbie williams angels okay probably be the one <laughs> for me um uh because that was probably 97 98 uh, came out so i'd have been about 10 i can remember it being a list a lot uh, like <laughs> my mum would have like celine dion on and gloria estefan and we'd listen to like the beautiful south we listen to simply red and lighthouse family and that those all had beautiful warm connotations of that sort of time but i can remember Angels is like a young lad being like, I can remember taking himself to my room, putting tape on and really like getting him, thinking about sad things <laughs> and really getting into it and singing along and being like, yeah, this is profound what is happening, these emotions to me right now. Uh, and now looking back, I think, oh my God, what a pillar. <laughs> Um, <laughs> also, I've done 400 episodes of this podcast. First first time I've ever heard the word pillock and shout out pillock. What a word. <laughs> so <great>. underrated. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think it's, it's, it's just a beautiful song. Lyrically as well, I think Robbie Williams' sister, she's a poet and she wrote a lot in that. And there's, there's just a lot to get from it. But that was that was the first one as, uh, as a kid that had... Uh, that moved me, so I think emotionally, uh, probably did for a lot of people. Um, but I'm a I'm a massive Robbie Williams fan as well. I thought I was a massive Robbie Williams fan, and then I met one of my best mates at drama school, um, and we were having an argument. I was like, "Well, I was there at Nebworth uh, Escapology." I was like, "I've been there, mate." And then he dropped his trousers uh, at, at the bar. Uh, and revealed he's got I Love Robbie Williams tattooed on his ass. That's a statement. And I went, yeah, you win. Fair play. Congratulations. Pine. Yeah. <laughs> going to be my best, my best mate forever. <laughs> but he's from Ponte Creed. They just sort of do things like that. He's tattooed on his foot as well. So it's really, I don't think he's actually a big fan. He just thought it'd be funny. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it, it, it's such... 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. It's a, a big song. and I, I, I literally saw some footage of him singing it at, at Soccer Aid or something at the weekend. And... And you know it's, it's in the very fabric of British culture now. That song, isn't it? You, yeah. you know, and and there's a reason for that. And the reason is the fact that it's a brilliant, brilliant record. And yeah. and I'm, I remember seeing like, I was never a, a, a Take That fan. And and when he quit, and I remember watching Glastonbury, uh, probably about ninety six, ninety seven, and he'd quit Take That, and he'd come out and uh, and he and he literally I think that was the week that he'd been hanging out with Robbie no it wasn't that one he'd been hanging out with Liam it was a year after and he'd, he'd had a few sort of minor hits and he'd come out and he that's it yeah and he absolutely bossed it with Angels and like and now when you think yeah you've gone from being disposable sort of boy band pop star to like yeah. you, you, you've gone into like the different realm now you, you, you've become yeah. like everybody loves you and yeah. and you know, he's, I don't think he's the greatest singer on the planet, but I think he's an incredible entertainer. Like, you know, you, 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 whenever you see him live, it's like you're getting energy, you're getting, you're getting something special. And, oh, uh, Incredible. One of the best gigs of my life in terms of having fun. Yeah. Like real showstopper was uh, the Escapology album at Nebworth. Yeah. It came out hanging upside down. That was just... I was also 15 and I drank about 16,000 Smyrna Feister that night. So do probably it. That might do it as well. It was the best <laughs> night of my life. I think it was the first time some middle-aged bloke gave me a spliff as well. So I was like, this is the best. <laughs> I, was, I was in the place where I think I might die yeah. and have an anxiety attack. And also this is absolutely euphoric and the best thing that I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> that might have had a... Uh, a slight effect on it but yeah I've just yeah always loved him and that that was like the first one that I can sort of remember being like whoa yeah. okay wow this is this is this is pretty different different level lovely all right let's stay in the formative years um I'm gonna ask you for track three um please to tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school 
this is tough. This is really okay. tough. Um, but I've gone sort of for the earliest, uh, earliest that I sort of can remember. I mean, this is embarrassing. Oh, God. Okay, so I'm going to go for Maria Maria, which was Carlos Santos. Um, and it was the one, you know, the, uh, San, I know Santana, who, yeah. you know, the guitarist, yeah. the um, Mexican guitarist, and uh, when he did um, the R&B track, Maria Maria, and uh, I, I literally thought I was going to be like Boys to Men or Jagged Edge, uh, I remember going to school discos thinking I looked the absolute nuts and I had uh, a bright white do-rag on. Oh, what? And your do-rag, you know what What black people would wear to keep their weave tight? Right. So I'd like that because I thought I was an absolute geezer and I'd wear a bright white string vest with a massive chain. Bearing in mind, I'm like 13 years old, a white lad in Buckinghamshire at this point in my life. <laughs> rocking up doing all this popping and locking and literally thought I was the bee's knees. And that was literally what was, I think we had me and my mate, Jamie Collins, Oliver Hayward. We rehearsed like a dance routine when this would come on. Oh, do you know what? I was about to say, what the fucking hell was Jamie Collins not thinking? I need to have a word here. Look at what Lewis (laughs) is wearing, but no, he's involved in a dance routine with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. That's it. (laughs) Um, And that, that was a big, that was a big, big track for us at that time. I can also remember that was like the birth of Garage around that time as well. I remember listening to So Solid Crew, yeah. Oh No, and 21 Seconds and just thinking I was the bee's knees and I was going to be the next big R&B forward slash MC. And then I think I went to an under-18s night when I was 13, 14, and my MC, MC name was MC Little Lou. And... Uh, I thought, yeah, this is going to be the night. I've been writing verses for a, for a couple of months and uh, thought, thought this is going to be the night. Uh, and then went to, uh, <laughs> to to enter the place and uh, I was with my girlfriend at the time and sort of got involved in an altercation where some other lad headbutted me. He took my date in for the evening and I ran off home and cried to my mum all night. <laughs> so then I gave up uh, emceeing. It weren't for you, mate, I don't think. It wasn't for me. I was trying to be something I wasn't. It just didn't work out. Mm. And I look back now and I think, what was I, what on earth, what did I see? What What was going through my head? I generally think, like, if you're, like, sort of 14, 15 and you're wearing a, a white string vest and, uh, and, and a big chain, I think... You need friends around you that just go, mate, do you know what you look like? But if you've got friends that are on board with it, you know, that are actually doing dance routines. That's where you've gone wrong. I mean, I'm not a life coach, but I'm I'm just suggesting that could be it. This is my mate. My mate, Jamie Collins, went, look, we've got 20 quid. Let's not go to F Heinz and get some cheap shit jewellery. Let's go to the hardware store and we'll get some cheap chains and clip them on instead (laughs) that you'd you'd use for, like, the bloody plug in the back. (laughs) We'd spend a couple of quid on that. We'd do that. I think we look the absolute nuts. Rock into the place. <laughs> Horrendous. Horrendous. Oh, mate. To, yeah, I think we used to highlight and straighten our hair as well. We had big diamond t- earrings. I literally thought, I thought I was Usher. Jesus Christ. 
You yeah, did not look know. like Usher, trust me. Like, I mean, no, I'm, I'm picturing what you've described there. I'm not seeing Usher. No, mate, just some scrawny little <laughs> icon with far too much attitude. <laughs> Ridiculous. I, I, we need to edit everything out there. <laughs> what was brilliant was when you said this one could be embarrassing, I thought it was going to be the song, not the outfit and just the general personality of yourself was, at that point. It's a great song, Maria Maria, great <laughs> song. Great. Everything around the time <laughs> I was doing with that music was so wrong on so many levels. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. What an yeah. answer. Um, aside from um, outfits, uh how, how was school? I mean, oh, you, you mentioned that uh, your parents were in the sort of uh, the, 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 the pub game and, and clubs and stuff. Yeah. like. So moving around and that, like, how, how did that impact on school? Um, yeah, I mean, it was quite... It was quite uh, my, my parents were always quite good at um, making everything at home nice and steady. So even though we were jumping about because my parents would sort of like renovate a place or do a place up or go look after a pub for quite for quite some time, um, home life was always pretty steady and we made mates pretty quick. And the big jump was going from Doncaster to Marlow when I was about 12 years old. Yeah. But in all honesty, we lived in quite a rough area and going from Doncaster, Balby Doncaster, which was quite a poor, deprived, ex-sort of mining town, my my real daddy worked in the factory my granddad was foreman of that factory and then we moved to marlow um where they had regattas and there was boat races on the thames and stuff was like we were like this is an absolute touch so we did it didn't really phase us at all we would sort of just jumped at the opportunities that had sort of sort of landed on our feet we were very sort of grateful to to my parents to be able to give us that sort of lifestyle really actually so, so school was school was all right. I was a bit of a hustler at school. Um, me and my mates. So we started. I thought I was going to be an MC, and then I started. I really got into DJing when I was about twelve, thirteen, and I used to come down and I'd, my parents would let me do ten minutes set, like half ten or whatever. And it was a bit of a novelty. Uh, and then that grew and grew and grew. Um, probably early, way into my early 20s but through school we would um what we do is we'd hire out a village hall some little village hall somewhere where the little old ladies rang and they'd they'd serve all our mates who were like 14 15 we used to come funkadelic fridays we'd make about 500 tickets hand cut them out these little turntables funkadelic friday we thought it was amazing we'd hand cut them out sell them for three quid a pop get everyone in and then we take a little cut off the bar as well we used to make an absolute fortune Jesus. all the way up and, yeah it was wicked all the way up until the age of um 18 and then we because we thought we thought the absolute nuts and then everyone was able to actually go to bars yeah we tried to do one funkadelic friday after everyone had sort of turned 18 and about you know, my mum and five friends turned up. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, maybe we've had that heyday. That's it now. Oh, mate, I mean, I'm like, I mean I've been a promoter all my life. I mean, you was having it off at that age. That's ridiculous. Mate, we used to, we used to like, take 800 quid a night each. <laughs> yeah. It, it was unreal. And it started getting, like, people from, so then sort of, like, people down from High Wickham. We used to get people coming from Bracknell, 
uh, West London was coming out. It started getting a bit fruity, so I had to ask my mum's door staff if they'd come do a shift. <laughs> this little <laughs> at Marlow Bottom Village Hall. The the women who used to service, they did know, not know what hit them. People were doing drugs in the toilets. It was absolute chaos. Lovely. Absolute chaos. Love it. But it, was it was brilliant. I think I'd still be a virgin now if I hadn't done that. <laughs> <laughs> it was the only way that we sort of got to, to talk to girls. We used to be like, yeah, we'll, we'll get you a free ticket to Funkadelic Friday. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. So sort of doing that at such a young age, what what did you want to be when you was at school? Did you have any, was it something in that kind of creative sort of field? Um, I, I guess so. I sort of just sort of fell, it, fell into it all. I think everything, so I've got two young brothers, so three boys, and it was mainly just the boys uh, and my mum, really. Um, and uh, everything was around making mum laugh, like performing for her and doing that. Uh, and she used to, anything creative we do, she'd try and give as much attention and encouragement towards. So whether that be DJing or playing the drums or whatever, we were always very active, not very academic, Certainly I wasn't. So she just sort of pushed us into that. And the, I think that entertainment feel came from, you know, DJing. I started to get a bit of a buzz and really enjoyed emceeing that sort of instant crowd feedback. Um, and then I took up sort of dance as well at the sort of same time. I was sort of doing hip hop and street. And then my school, I was sort of wasn't doing very well. And they were like, well, why don't you try and put that into qualification and take up dance for scenes and then I got a bit more of that performance aspect through that so I think I had DJing and dancing I really enjoyed that and then that sort of blended into to acting where I was like forced to basically go in school plays and it was the best thing for me I think for me they were like just okay let's try and refine refine this energy um and then I really found something in that took a year out after school to save up and audition for drama schools and stuff like that. Um, and then haven't looked back really. And that's sort of been me for the last 15, 16 years. That's sort of my process and sort of how I found it. But I, I definitely think music and DJing was the birth of all that. I can remember DJing at the millennium. Uh, and I was really, at first I was really into my hard house and trance and playing William Orbit. Uh, I, I, I literally interviewed him last week on here. Are you joking? <laughs> literally last week. Yeah. You are joking. <laughs> oh my god! We well, had at that time he had that um, the string the Baggio strings yeah. out in the trance remix, and that was a really new sound for me. And I can remember playing that as uh, the new year was coming in, and everyone absolutely going off. There's about 500 people. I'm 12 years old in this gazebo in this pub garden. Um, I didn't realise everyone was probably just coming up at the time. <laughs> yeah. but, and everyone's coming up to me like, oh my God, there's this kid here, it's amazing. So I think that instant, whoa, like people loving what you're doing, what you're playing, and that response was was um, it's addictive. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to follow this. Yeah. And I think I was all right as a DJ. Yeah. My mate, Togger, um, we were called DJ Low. It was Lewis and Ollie. Um uh he was a much better DJ uh than me. I sort of I was a bit more of the businessman. Yeah. 
Um, but I just, I love that feeling and that vibe. And I think that's what sort of put me on the tracks to where I am now, yeah, maybe. Absolutely. Yeah. Track four, the first song you remember buying from a record shop. Um, two versions of this story. Okay. So I used to, used to get five pounds every week. I'd go to Capital Records and I'd buy a record. So I was really into trance and uh, hard house at the time. And I think maybe my first one was uh, DJ John, the launch. Yep. Do you remember that one? Mm-hmm. Get um, as I just thought that was that was quite light because that was quite commercial to what I was actually probably. Yeah, playing in the pub, um, but that's the first one that I can remember. My parents giving me five quid, and because all the DJs who worked in my mum's pub, they'd give me a record here or there. Oh, go listen to this and go do that. Uh, and I think someone had some old sort of Gemini deck, and they sort of gave us that, and I was just buzzing with that. But that was the first one that I remember going, and it was bright red. Um, I had this bright red sleeve and I remember being quite a big tune at the time yeah. and I just remember playing that over. Sometimes it's like an alarm going off. Um, I can still hear that now. Um, so that was the first record that I bought. But I can also remember very vividly um, getting my mum to go to Capitol Records because I was too embarrassed because I had a rep by this time. I thought I did uh, and that's the first time uh, someone said rep as well as pillock on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Loving it. <laughs> uh, that's because I am a pillock with a rep. <laughs> I, can, I can remember sending her to the shop to buy me Will Young Evergreen. Yeah. And she bought it on 12 inch record as well. And it went in my bag. I can even remember, I just love that. I played it over and over again. That, that and Robbie Williams. Um, I think I can remember one night being with, you know, the lad was probably 19, 18, and he, he let me do 10 minutes. And then he was going through my record bag and then he pulled out Will Young and he just sort of looked at me, evergreen. Crushed. Like that. I just went, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I put it back and then carried on DJing. I remember feeling so, so embarrassed. Um <laughs> I think he's got a fucking beautiful voice, Will Young. Will Young is an amazing artist. Mm. And he's amazing because he stood the test of time. Yeah. He's gone from Cowell's record label, that whole thing when it was mm. pop idol or pop stars or what, whatever it was. And he's got a real authentic soul and mm. jazz-like quality to, to, to some of his work. And he stood the test of, test of time. Absolutely. Yeah. 20 years and he's made amazing amazing music i think mm. really soulful and lush but when you're 12 years old yeah mate yeah you're ruined you can't, you can't be admitting that uh, definitely not definitely not <laughs> i always like to ask guests uh certainly sort of you know sort of actors and and, and and such about confidence when, when they were growing up um i presume you was quite a confident young man from from the outfits and uh and and, and hustles uh, start of life was quite tough. So I was um, a really, really nervous kid. Used to have a stammer, um, not very confident with my reading uh, and things like that, really dyslexic. And um, for whatever reason, 
life was quite hard for me and my mum in Doncaster. So she spent, and that, it was that way till I was probably about nine, ten years old. Uh, so then she spent the best part of the, the next decade doing everything she could to build me up. And the way that she did that is she took chucked me and my brothers into taekwondo, learning martial arts, uh, have to do exams and take a bit of pride in myself. Um, so I think she put so much effort into like getting us to do martial arts, supporting me with my DJing, um, that then I became slightly overconfident mm. way up into my sort of like late teens, early 20s, and then sort of had to rein it back um, again. But at the start of life, I was, I was really a quite nervous kid. My mum used to say that you don't have to talk to anyone, but you, you know, it's polite to say hello and goodbye and please for things, but you don't have to say anything else. Um, then she couldn't get me to shut up. Changing schools and such, do you think that gave you a... a a sort of a, a skill set to be able to, you know, to have to talk to people to, to, to kind of, you know, get stuck in. Otherwise, you know, you, you can get left behind. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, yeah, no, I know. I, I, I do. It also, it was quite tough as well because I, with schools and stuff, I, I sort of felt like, have you seen the departed mm. in that? There's a line where, um, I, they're talking about Leonardo DiCaprio and they go, I bet you were two people. You were one person there and you were one person there. Um, and it was kind of like that. I was from like this working class, tough world up in Bobby Doncaster, a place that I love. Um, and then I also lived in Marlow as well, this really affluent area, that really privileged to grow up in. But neither communities accepted me as... I wasn't a northerner, nor was I a southerner. So I used to get sort of, you know, sort of uh, the mick taken out for both, but I didn't really know where home was. So it was quite unsettling. And it took me a while to sort of just feel like, well, I am where I am and I, I, yeah. I am who I am sort of thing. Sort of felt like a bit of a sort of a, a gypsy, sort of like roaming. Yeah. I didn't, there wasn't a place that was home. And I think with that comes sort of uncertainty of who you are and what you're doing and where you're going and if anything's ever going to stay the same sort of thing. I think that took quite a while to get used to. And as a kid, especially going through puberty and all those sort of things, that can be quite unsettling. And that took quite a while for me to get to get used to. Looking back, I don't think I realised that at the time, but now, yeah, I think there's certainly a lot of truth to that. That was, that was quite tough. Okay. Tell me the song that soundtrack your years clubbing, please. So when I was hitting the club scene, club music for me was shit. Okay. Like 16 to 18, because it was so commercial. Um, uh, and I just remember thinking, that, like, going, like, it was just the same, you know what I mean? Vodka Rev type style, regurgitated, poppy. You'd have a bit of a synth sound with like influences from trance and hard house. Uh, and then there'd be like a, a chorus break and then some rapper would do something on it. And then, and then it'd lead into something else. It all felt this, the same old things getting regurgitated, sure. um, which led me down a different path with my sort of DJ and then r- running those nights. I sort of felt like a responsibility to show people, um, 
good club music mm-hmm. growing up in pubs and clubs and stuff. And at that time, one thing that I was uh, just, I fell in love with was like Gospel House. Now, I'm not a religious person at all, but Gospel House, like people like Jasper Street were just wicked. And I was really into, I was going to loads of festivals, DJing, uh, like funky soul festivals where you'd have like live singers and like these gospel singers would sing on tracks and people would just lose their minds. Um, and my, my stepdad was, um, it just feels good. It's upbeat, it's got a fast beat, BPM, and the, these vocals are just infectious. Um, and there was one track I would play, uh, it's called He's All Right, Jasper Street. And it would start with this like organ and like people clapping and you could see people at the bar being like, what the fuck is this kid playing? And what on earth? And then it builds and build for about a minute and a half. And then it kick off with this preacher and he'd go, right now it's time to take you back to some of that old school hand clapping, foot stomping. And then the beat would come in and everyone would just, it would be, it was like probably being like a gospel church on a yeah. Sunday. But it's a load of piss people in Abingdon. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it was just, it was just off the chain. So when we used to, I would play loads of commercial stuff for like my mates at these events. Yeah. And then I'd slowly, I'd do a bit of hip hop, then R&B, then I'd do some R&B mixes, bringing in a bit of house. And then I'd slowly circulate it into this and like try and show them this other world and just like commercial pop. Yeah. So for me, Jasper Street, he's all right that whole that whole track is just it's incredible it's brilliant it's euphoric that was my one you touched on confidence planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com code SUMMER. Um, from a young age doing what you've done to then moving into uh, you know, a, a, a very famously difficult uh, industry, um, 
to to you know to to reach you know to to to, to have and sustain success like tell me about drive that well that's i talk about that a lot actually Dr- drive is the only thing that has got me to where i am i think to have that fire to keep going when life bats you down because i think in my my mum did a really good job in the sense that she t- just totally believed in me constantly you know and i i throughout up until like I never, I never got the big parts. I was always like, you know, spear holder from the left. Um, and I never really got the, but I just had a belief like, no, I can do this. No, I know I am good enough. I think if I had to go and do it all again, I don't think I'd have the energy because it's knackering. The constant um, rejection is, is a lot to take. Plus you're on your own the whole time. Peter O'Toole used to say, uh, the art of an actor is habitual uh, solitary study. And it is. It's about taking yourself away, reading, reading, reading what you want to prepare, getting an idea, getting your instincts together, and then taking it to the stage, taking it on set, and then performing it. Um, and I think you can only do that if your drive, drive is there. And I think why my drive is so strong and why I've still kept going is because I was told constantly I wasn't good enough. And I think I had a really good mum who was like, you are. So I had this blind belief that, yeah, no, I can do this. And just just kept just kept grinding away. And it's the it's the only thing that I don't think you can install in a person. Yeah. You've either got that drive or you haven't. The only people that go out and make a success of things is because they wake up in the morning and they are hungry for that thing or whatever that is. Um, and it, it, you've you've either got that or, or you haven't. Absolutely. Um, uh, so I was very lucky for to have someone to go look, follow that instinct. You know, you can you can do this. Yeah. And that that set that set me up really good. But it's because it's all about drive. Whether you can or you can't is irrelevant. If yeah. you just keep going, you will. Because you can't fail. Absolutely could take you home favorite song for an artist from your home county please um gotta be arctic monkeys certain romance oh do you know what right it it, it in my opinion that's the best song i've ever written it is incredible right yeah starts off and you feel like your head's in a washing machine mm. like you're in a pub fight and Literally you, you know, scrapping with Paul Q's in tracky bottom, scrapping with Paul Q's. <laughs> yeah, exactly, literally, exactly. Or you're rolling down a hill and then all of a sudden there's a break and there's just this beautiful guitar riff. And it's like, it's, it feels like the sun comes out mm. and you, you, you're lifted above the clouds or something. And it's just brilliant. I'm not, it's certain romance. Is that the one, is that the one Stephen Graham did? No, no, that's that, that's that's, that uh, that's um. Oh no, Stephen Graham done. Um, was it fluorescent adolescent? Uh, no, leave before no, uh, leave before the lights go out. He played the the, uh, the, was the, it? the pimp, didn't he? Um, 
Uh, uh, yeah, no, when, right. sorry, when the sun goes down. Uh, when the sun goes down. Leave Before the Lights Go was Paddy Considine, um, uh, where uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the shoe comes off the top of the building and the girl's about to uh, take her own life. And Oh, have That's you seen that it. video? It's yeah. fucking... I think Shane Meadows done that. I, I might be wrong, but I think right. that was Shane Meadows. Right. He's the greatest. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and just, I mean, regarding certain romance, like, that, you know, touching upon that lads in tracky bottoms, scrapping with porkies, you know, the social commentary on that record is is just bang on. And I... I I personally don't feel that they've they've touched that record since. I know that they've become rock rock stars now and they've got great great songs, but there's something about that first record. Like there is with the first Oasis record, them penniless working class lads are just writing something that is just on the money and like yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just oh just completely that whole album mm. I can just listen to. And it's one of those albums where you can just start from the beginning yeah. and just you're like this is a hit, this is a hit, mm. this is a hit. Riot Van, just yeah. the whole attitude. It was, it was a feeling of that time that really encapsulated so well. Um, and I think that album came out, that song came out when I was like sort of 15, 16. And Perfect. It did not leave I did this, uh, the CD player. It yeah. was just on and on and on and on. And yeah, totally encapsulated. Like, yeah, this is this is who I am. This is where I'm from. This is exactly what it is. Yeah. I think I remember being back in going to like a pub gig in Rotherham with a friend, and they were on that night. And uh, if, before it all sort of blew up, and uh, I, I can't remember. Apparently, my mate says I, I was like, oh, I'm a bit shit. And it was the Arctic Monkeys. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And then it was like an album that I absolutely idolised. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Based myself on. Uh, so I, I, I always rue the day. I still don't think it was the Arctic Monkeys, but he's adamant it was. Yeah. And I, that I thought they were shit. <laughs> See, he was like, you, you're not a proper fan. You don't like live music. You just like it on an album. <laughs> 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 I love that sort of bollocks that you get at that age. It's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes <laughs> sense. Um, okay, I want to ask you about, um, you know, you know, somebody that sort of grows up in, you know, in 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 a working class area and and finds himself in a, in an industry where, uh, you know, as I mentioned, it's a tough industry and and. And I want to know about, you know, finding yourself in these scenarios and places where you're getting to meet people that have been influential and, 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 you know, people that are very recognizable and like, tell me about imposter syndrome. Is that something you ever get? Yeah, daily. Yeah. But I think that I'm 34 now and I think the thing to remember is Every, everyone does yeah everyone's so when you're at you know events and screenings and i was at a screening uh recently for midwich cuckoos which is yeah. a show i've got out on sky at the moment uh and david farr who's the uh, creator and writer i'm i'm in awe of his work he did a film called the ones below and it's just a wicked hitchcockian thriller misdirection 
it just it's, it's on the money. So when I found out that he wanted to, he, we'd had a meeting and he wanted to offer us the part, I was like, oh my God, this guy's like a genius. And I can remember the, the whole night before like this uh, meeting that we had on Zoom thinking, okay, right, if he asks me this, I'll try and say something this, like I'll try and be, uh, I just don't want to come across thick. And then I had a chat with him and he was just like, you're right, mate, how's your morning? You good? Yeah, wicked. Oh, yeah, do you want to do this part, Curtis? I think it's really good for you. You're quite edgy. I think you'll find loads of fun in it. I really like your work. And I was just like, oh, yeah, wicked. You're a normal, <laughs> you're a normal human being as well. Yeah. Uh, and then when I went to the screening, which is wicked, it was at BAFTA, there's champagne and stuff. And you see all the same humans, the same as you. And they're all wide-eyed and like, did you like it? Is it good? Do do it. And I was like, oh, wow, these people that I put on a pedestal so highly, they're all just as nervous about showing their work and feel really yeah. vulnerable about it as well. So I'm, I, I, I really take a lot from that nowadays. Yeah. They're all just, we're all just kids. Yeah. Like, just we've got a bit more power or whatever. We have the luxury of being able to do what we want to do. And just to remember that everyone's waiting for that tap on the shoulder where they go, what the fuck are you doing here, mate? Get out. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? We're not meant to be here. <laughs> and if someone did that, I'd go, you're absolutely right. I don't know how <laughs> yeah. I've got away with it this long. I'm so sorry. Can I take a point to the road? <laughs> so, you know, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I try not to worry about how what sort of people think of me as much anymore yeah. and I think being a dad now I just don't I haven't got the luxury of time to worry about my own shit just kind of got to get on with it and that stuff comes with 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 age as well doesn't it and, and I guess experience and and, and, and all yeah. manner of things but I do think that I don't know if if it's a working class thing or not I don't know like but you know most people I've ever, I, I'd be surprised if somebody just would have asked them that question and just went no, 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 no! I don't get imposter syndrome. I think, oh my god, they're they're dangerous. Yeah. Like, why, why, why have they not got it? Like, that person's definitely murdered someone. Yeah, that person's got a list, and I'm yeah. probably just been added to it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do know what you mean in terms of like class. Like sometimes it saves if someone's from you know a really affluent area. There's sometimes there's like an area of confidence of or what would seem to be confidence yeah you sort of think that, that they're that they should be there and yeah. quite rightly they should be on that stage or whatever yeah whereas i think maybe working class maybe by our own sort of merit tend to think oh should, should we be in here are we allowed to be at the big table yeah um but the important thing to remember is that we've all there's all space at the table yeah. and we all deserve to be there based on our merit uh, and all that that internal monologue is just is just that it's internal waffle absolutely and if you, you start to show people maybe you shouldn't be there people will start to think it yeah you, you've just got to fake it till you make it baby all day long all day yeah. long <laughs> lewis last track mate i'm going to ask you please to be a tastemaker and influencer now uh and it's a song that you think many people may not know that you would like them to hear please okay um, he's a really big artist, but not. I don't think I don't know if you know him. P, P. J. Morton, Grammy winning mm-hmm. artist, soul artist. He's done. There's a live cover, uh, and it's featuring Yeba uh, of "How Deep Is Your Love," 
and he's probably one of the most soulful men on the planet. And it is just like this, this, so many artists do covers now, don't they? Because that's how I think algorithms work. They know if they do a cover, Mm -hmm. then that'll get a window into their actual work. Uh, And this track is just absolutely wicked. It's a breath of fresh air on such a famous track, right? Everyone knows it, but it's so refreshing and it's like truthful to that track, but it takes it somewhere else. And it's just one, you know, if I get into the kitchen, Alexa, can you play? I'll put that on because I know that'll just chill me out. It's cool. It feels like sunshine. Do you know what I mean? It feels light. It's soulful. Um, And I don't know if too many people know it. See, it seems to be like every time I put that on, people are like, what is this? Yeah, Uh, You know, it's just really chilled out that's that's a go-to one for me wonderful well people will get to check it out because we put a spotify playlist together to accompany the podcast so people can go and listen to that and all the other tunes that we've we've spoken about today um oh my god you're gonna get to my track and just go what on earth is this lad on (laughs) gospel house pj moore and dj jean to robbie williams angels that is just what well, shit sandwich? It's horrendous. You can't get any flow. You've got to take the rough with the smooth. That's how this podcast is, mate. Y'all, we want all the embarrassing moments and we want the cool, slick ones. You get, that's why you get to sort of sign off with something good on this. Like the last track is when you yeah. can uh, you can yeah make up for uh, the uh, the embarrassment in the uh, in the early years. Um, as uh, as twenty twenty two starting to uh, come into the sort of second half of the year and and the worlds are far more open and connected uh and and back to a, a sense of normal that uh that it was a few years ago um what are you looking forward to from the rest of the year lewis personally and what's going to be happening professionally um yeah i'm, I'm just i'm loving socializing again like i said we're making a real effort as a family to sort of get out there a bit more it's glastonbury next week ah wonderful um so we've the uh, kids we're, we're taking we're taking one my mum's yeah. been t- been taking me and my brothers my mum's a big hippie she's been taking us to glastonbury since we were really young oh, I love so, that. We, we, and we've always we've always stayed in like the family area and then over the years it's like well i'm gonna go stay at the john peel area or whatever yeah. and we branch off but we always come back I can remember coming back. I couldn't find my tent at John Peel. So I went back to my mum's, like, coming through the mesh at five in the morning. Be like, mum, I can't sleep. You got any orange juice? <laughs> um, so I'm looking forward to spending some lovely family time over the summer, uh, enjoying a bit of music, getting down to dreamland, spending some time on the beach. Uh, the, we, the other day, me and my wife we bought rollerblades. Love it. Uh, with books, so we've got the prams with the girls in, and we just bladed across the coast. Lovely. For like a few hours, and that was just absolute heaven. You man. can do that in Margate. You wouldn't have got away with that in Doncaster, mate. No, what? Well, yeah, me and my tight little denim shorts rolling blades along. Your string vest. <laughs> yeah. Hey, boys. <laughs> um, yeah, no, they've definitely been well, quite, yeah, quite deservedly so. Um, so I'm looking, I'm looking forward to a bit more quality time like that, taking it a bit chill. The last two years has been very busy, great work-wise, but it's been. I mean, even on set now, people have to wear masks sure. and stuff. It still feels very disconnected. 
So I've got a bit of time off this summer uh, and then doing a bit of press for these projects, Midwich Cuckoos, and then I've got Rosie Malloy coming out for Sky probably end of the year, uh, Sheridan Smith starring in that. Uh, and then I'll be sort of like picking up a bit of press that again, but I've got a bit of time off now. I'm just going to really, really enjoy that. Wonderful. Uh, yeah. Also, I've got a film that I directed last year um, here in Margate starring Carl Johnson, and that's doing the festival circuit at the moment. Uh, so I'm just really enjoying pushing those little bits and take, taking a bit of a backseat. It's lovely. Brilliant. Brilliant. Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, talking oh, records you. with you, Lewis. It's been so much fun. Um oh, if people want to keep up to speed with um, everything that you're up to, uh, where's the best place to, to stay up to uh, speed on things? Uh, probably on my socials, uh, at Lewis Reeves on Instagram and Twitter. You can find everything sort of through there. Wonderful. Well, I'll tag you in this uh, this episode when it comes out, if that's all right with you. And, Good. yeah, mate, thanks again. It's been such a joy. Hey, man, thank you very, very much. Thanks for having me. And uh, I hope you can... You can find something in that awful. (laughs) (laughs) Boom, there you go. Oh, what a wonderful chat. What a lovely human being Lewis Reeves is. Um, It was so nice having that chat. Um, As I've mentioned before at the end of some episodes, it's really nice kind of post-interview when you you press stop and you carry on having a natter because you've, you've enjoyed a chat and... Yeah, just uh, a, a, a lovely human, and yeah, hope you've got um, a lot of uh, a lot of enjoyment out of that that episode. As mentioned at the beginning, um, go explore the back catalogue. There's hundreds of episodes. Have a little flick through and go. Oh, we've had blah 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 on. I have to give, give that one a little listen. And if you don't want to miss any, just click subscribe, and then each week they just pop up on your listening device, and it's like, oh, I listen to that one. Oh, I don't fancy that one, but uh, but they're all good. Trust me. Um, Anyway, right, I'm done. I've, I've kept you for, for over an hour now. So um, thanks ever so much for listening and supporting Off The Beaten Track podcast. Have a lovely week. I'm back next time. In the meantime, um, be nice uh, and I love you. Laters. It's Off The Beaten Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. You've made Stu with him. Eat it,